It's the show for real people doing real work in social media. It's the Social Pros Podcast from Jay Bear of Convince and Convert, featuring Jeff Roars and special contributor Zena Wiest. Presented by Interactive Marketing Hub, Exact Target, and sponsored by Janrain, the leaders in social sign-in and interaction. Cision, giving marketers and PR pros tools to expand their exposure. And Xbeon, social engagement software for world-class companies. Ready to accelerate your social media? Let's get to work. Welcome, everybody, to Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. I am, as always, Jay Bear, flying solo today on this very special episode. Jeff Roars is off at Dreamforce talking about his hot new book, Audience. Zena will be joining us later today at this very special event, uh, but she's on a plane right now or something like that on her way. Uh, I am live today from the WOMA Summit, Word of Mouth Marketing Association Summit. Going to do a keynote speech here uh, in a couple hours, and I'm the MC for the big WOMI Awards uh, on Tuesday night, but today we are joined by a very special guest, uh, somebody who's also giving several presentations here at the conference, and rightfully so, somebody who is a real person doing real work in social media. It is Jason Miller, who is the social content manager for Beam Global. Jason, how are you today? Doing good in this very echoey yet ornate room here in Nashville. (laughs) It is both echoey and ornate. Uh, This is a a breakout room that we have commandeered before the conference officially starts, and these ceilings are 35 feet high, maybe 40 feet high. Something like that. It is something. Uh, you could repel in this conference room it's quite easily. It is. It is a gladiatorial challenge. Tell me a little bit about um, sort of the Beam Global portfolio and sort of all the different uh, brands and, and companies that you're involved in. Yeah, I think when people think Beam Global, they probably have this nameless, faceless conglomerate that just sells a bunch of different things. But we are, first and foremost, and only really, a spirits company. Jim Beam is the, obviously the name on the door. That is our flagship brand. We own several other key brands that you may or may not be familiar with. Maker's Mark being a key one. Uh, We have Canadian Club for our friends up north. We have Salsa Tequila. We have Hornitos Tequila. We have Pinnacle Vodka. We have Skinny Girl. Uh, We have Fruition Rum. We have several other brands in our portfolio. So we really are spread out very well across the spirits landscape. Um, I don't think a lot of people realize that when they think about Beam. Yeah, certainly the the, uh, the flagship is on the name of the company. And I didn't realize you had the two tequila brands. That's very interesting to me, being a noted tequila guy. I'm pretty excited about that, actually. Yeah, we'll have to, I mean, in, when it comes to just te- tequila, so the Casa, Casa Saza owns so much, they do so much, and a lot of people don't realize that. I think that's one of our opportunities, is that story to tell. So speaking of, of telling stories, because you have all of these different brands, um, how do you keep all of those organized and or coordinated in, in social? Do you have separate strategic plans and operating plans for each of them? Do you have separate teams for each brand? Do you have separate agencies for each brand? How do you sort of manage the portfolio of, of brands in social? Yeah, so I'll tackle that one at a time. So first, when it comes to people, definitely. We have people that are assigned to, we call them category groups. So we have someone who works primarily on our vodka brands and someone who works on our tequila brands. I personally work on our bourbon whiskey portfolio, both bourbon. So you got and you got the white liquor and the dark liquor teams. That's how Basically, that works. I yeah, like it. Yeah, it's like that. Um, it's like college, but uh, but with staffing, it's fantastic. And our team is relatively new, so from a, a standpoint of we are kind of ramping up that social content manager specialist position. So we don't currently cover all the brands, but we're looking to cover all of those shortly. When it comes to agencies, each brand is responsible for. If you wanted to use a you know pronoun, his or her own. Of agencies to manage that. So every yeah. brand kind of they don't operate in a silo. 
I mean, they all talk to each other. We all sit next to each other. We all learn from one another. So everybody is in the same in the same yeah. place physically. Yeah, yeah, we're one. That's handy. Know, yeah, if you took this really tall room and turned it sideways, you know, there would be enough space for all of us to sit in, and that would be how it works. But each brand also has its own agencies that are tasked with, you know, that brand's particular goals because every brand has a different goal, it has a different demographic, and it has a different personality, and those all need to be managed accordingly. I know one of the sessions that you're doing here at Women's Summit is around coordinating with your legal team. And obviously, being in the spirits business, you have some regulatory challenges uh, vis-a-vis social media that that other brands simply do not have. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about how that works in practice, sort of what your uh, key challenges are there and and the importance of legal and how you work together? Yeah, the importance of legal cannot be understated in any instance. You know, we are regulated. Um, A lot of people don't know that we're also self-regulated. Um, for some of the big spirits brands. So everything we do is under very close scrutiny, both internal and external. And it's important that the messaging that we put forth, the tone, what it says, the look and feel of it, it's just as important that we get that right as opposed to where we put it. So there are a lot of channels that we can't participate in. So when it comes to working with legal, if you know we're having a brand new idea, we'll call it idea X, and it involves I love channels. That one. That was yeah, amazing. X is a better, Y was terrible, X was great. <laughs> but you take X and you say, these are the kind of channels we want to work with. This is the messaging for each channel. We have to work with legal right from the beginning to say, are these channels viable for us? Can we even participate there? So the big channel that I always use as an example is Vine. Great channel, amazing opportunity for brands to do really cool storytelling. But for a spirits business, we can't use it. So what would be the potential workaround if there is one? In our case, you know, it would just be filming Vine style videos. Sorry, you guys can't see the air quotes with my hand. <laughs> And then using YouTube, which is a viable channel for us to put those out as a mechanism. So why is Vine uh, undoable for you, but, but YouTube is? What is the differentiation there? Uh, there's a two really big key points. First is the ability to age gate. Mm-hmm. So we can build our channels to say you must sign in and then you must have an age on your uh, account that says if, if you're 21 or over, then yes, you can choose to watch our videos. The other one is Comscore. Uh, we have to make sure that in this is a beam rule, uh, 75% of the audience is at least legal drinking age or older. And so since Vine skews younger, yes. um, then, then it doesn't meet And in standard. Vine's case, they have no age gate and they're not tracked by Comscore currently. So it's the double-edged sword of yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. So there's not going to be a Sousa Snapchat uh, execution no, anytime no. soon. There won't be a Snapchat. Uh, I can probably say confidently in 2014, probably 2015 at, at this time of beam. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Well, that's really fascinating. I never thought about uh, age-gating uh, social networks like that. So, so what are some of the, obviously, YouTube you mentioned, uh, you're on Facebook. We are. Uh, what other sort of major platforms do you embrace? So really, uh, it's probably what most people probably call the big four at this point. It's Facebook and Twitter, uh, Instagram, and Pinterest to some degree. So Pinterest is one of those channels where we're waiting in cautiously. You know, we talk to our legal team if we want to do a Pinterest-specific activity or promotion. But those are really the big four that we participate in. Um, there's obviously millions more with more coming on board every day. And we're keeping our eye on those. Um, but those are really the, the big ones that we play in right now. So in addition to, to, to channel planning and figuring that out with legal, I suspect that you've got uh, legal participation and legal cooperation at the individual piece of content level. Every post theoretically should be seen and approved by both groups of our legal team. So we have our compliance team that looks at the tone, the messaging, and then we have our intellectual property team to make sure that you know, we're not violating any intellectual property. Um, there's a lot of people that don't want to be associated with the Spirits brand. So we have to make sure that their likeness or their image is not portrayed in any of the photographs that we take, which makes using fan-sourced photos very difficult because 
Um, if you know you're drinking a Jim Beam, you may not be drinking it by itself. You may be enjoying it with a cola or another carbonated soda beverage. Um, but we can't say which one that is because they may or may not want to be associated with us. So Interesting. legal does go through the approval process of every single post that we do. Um, I think the advantage of having a social content team in house, especially for a spirits brand, is the ability to get some leeway and to earn trust with your legal team to say, if I need to do something that's real time on the fly, if we're doing an event, they may not be able to answer an email at 845 at night, West Coast time, when we're based in Chicago, to approve that. So there has to be a little bit of trust. So what we can do is we can script potential ideas or what we think is going to happen. Um, And that has worked out very well for us. As long as we continue to build that trust and we don't, you know, take away from it by doing something that's completely off-brand or completely non-compliant, that's been a huge win for us as well. One of the things that um, I've seen you talk about in the past is some frustration with the Me Too sort of nature of social promotions, that somebody gets an idea and that idea gets propagated out there uh, in a brand and then everybody says, well, I should do that same idea. I should execute on that same concept. Um, I want to elaborate on that if you would a little bit. And also, do you think that's just a symptom of uh, a less than fully mature industry, or do you think there is a, a sort of dearth of creativity in in social media on behalf of brands? I actually think it's a little bit of both. I think, definitely think there's a keeping up with the Joneses mentality, where as soon as somebody does something, um, we won't name their names, but you know the black and white cookie with the cream in the middle, they do something and it becomes a game changer, and everyone all of a sudden has to do that now. And I feel it's because social media changes so quickly that. If somebody does something cool, if you don't do it right then, right there, within the next six months, maybe even one month, it's old news, and then you have to come up and think of something else. So from that standpoint, I think there's a lot of people chasing everyone else. It's kind of like just watching dogs chase each other's tails over and over and over again. Um, but I also think that the creativity is is amazing out there with what you can do, what you can do with six seconds of like very choppy video. It's inspiring to people, and so I feel... A lot of people out there are like, this is a new way for us to tell our story. So in the past, it was we can do a print magazine, we can do an outdoor board, we can do a TV commercial. But now there's so many different channels to express your story. Well, and you can execute so much quicker. A TV you commercial is six months, you know? Yeah. By the time you plan it, shoot it, yeah. edit it. You can do a 15-second, this is how you make a cocktail video on Instagram video, and it's done. I mean, so it's a game changer. So I feel there is this need to use every single channel as opposed to doing maybe two or three really yeah. well. Um, you know, we struggle with that just as much as anyone else. Um, and it's just making sure that you kind of take a deep breath, look in the mirror and say, okay, this is what I have to do today. Like, let's get back on track. Well, and I think I'm not suggesting anybody in particular, but but I see in our consulting practice sometimes ideas and promotions and executions that I think are done less to build the brand and, and more to sort of put uh, a win on the board or a pelt on the wall internally, right? To, to draw attention to that social media person or that social media group within the enterprise. It's like, look, now everybody's talking about us inside the company. And, and I totally understand that having worked in a company at one point, but uh, I don't know that necessarily yields uh, the best possible brand outcomes. Totally agree. And I, you know, I think everyone who works in social media is guilty of that. And I think that's because there's pressure to show both ROI, what are you doing for me? What are you doing for the business? Um, also, it could be to get yourself funding, to get yourself money to sure. do other things. So yeah. if you need a win, you may not have the time to really think about and do a six-month kind of deep dive and come up with this really great idea that you know is going to execute flawlessly, but you may be able to turn something around in a month and get you a short-term win that can you can put that in front of people and say, listen, I got the short-term win. How about you give me something to try a medium-term win? And so I think that it's, it's tough, but I totally agree with you. I mean, like there's a lot of times where I think you know, maybe taking a step back, 
thinking about it a little more, not rushing to do something for the sake of doing something can be harmful. Speaking of, of wins, how do you measure social effectiveness in, in your organization? I mean, are you looking at social as, as a customer acquisition vehicle or a loyalty and retention vehicle to, to prevent uh, defections to, to competing products? I mean, what is sort of the strategic uh, overlay for the things that you're trying to accomplish? I would say, uh, as a quick caveat, it would probably depend slightly on brand. Yeah, where so that brand a, is in the, in the market. Yeah, where that brand is in kind of its life cycle. For Jim Beam, obviously... Awareness is not something that we need just blanket awareness of. People know what it is. In our case, for Jim Beam specifically, it's really about reevaluation of the brand and telling the brand story. So a lot of people kind of come up with Jim Beam and then they they lose it. Uh, they kind of it falls away from you know their spirits choices. Um, for us, it's about kind of gaining that reappraisal and retelling our story and our messaging and going after other whiskey drinkers. So there's. A little bit of recruitment. There's a lot of bit of like I would say re awareness building. Mm-hmm. So kind of breaking down and then building back up uh, and engaging with the brand. You know, for some of our smaller brands, it's probably pure awareness play, trying to get that message out. This is who we are. This is who we are. This is who we are. And then once you kind of get to that point, wherever that plateau is, then it becomes a little bit more about kind of the customer management or consumer relationship piece that gets balanced out with you, know, you still have to bring in people to the portfolio, but you also have to keep these people that you have happy and do something with them. One of the things I noticed is that the photos that you have on Instagram are typically different than the photos you put on, on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that since obviously they're owned by the same parent company uh, and, and sort of what the, the process or methodology is for, for, for shooting those and, and getting those up online? Yeah, I, I think that a lot of people think that if you do one thing and you can post it across all channels that you're covered, and I'm sure that I've been guilty of that at some point a few no, times. I certainly I, am, yeah. yeah. Um, but we try to try, try to stay true to the channel's founding principles. So for Instagram, it's about photography. It's about being in that moment and that time. So when we get an opportunity to do something for Beam, and I actually get a photo, an opportunity to take a photograph myself, or if it's someone on the brand team who has to be out in Kentucky or at an event and they take a photo, those are the photos that we'd like to leverage on Instagram because that's Jim Beam out in real life doing real-time things. Versus Facebook has become a very catch-all for all activities. So memes are appropriate there. Photoshop files, like graphics are appropriate there. I would not say that those are appropriate for Instagram because those are not things you just photograph. So we try yeah. to keep that balance and of what the channel was intended to do from the get-go. Um, sometimes there's crossover, more from Instagram going to Facebook than the other way around. Um, but that's why there's fewer photos on Instagram and they're more, I would say, Jim Beam in real life environmental So documentary shots. style yeah, kind of like behind the scenes. This is who we are. This yeah. is like where we are. This is what we're doing. Uh, We also can't reuse fan photos on Instagram. So apps like Regram, um, we can't use those. Um, We're working through maybe some of the potential IP issues. But so because of that, however, if someone shares a photo with us on Facebook and it happens to be a great photo and it's compliant and they give us permission to share, then we can reshare that on Facebook. And that's easy. So it obviously gives us more content for Facebook. And for Instagram, it's really got to be 100% brand fueled versus Facebook, which can be um, curated from fans. It can be brand curated. It can be agency curated. So um, it gives us a lot more options, but it makes it a little bit more challenging to have a very robust Instagram content portfolio. So are the pictures that you put on Instagram purely sort of catch as catch can? So whenever somebody on the team finds something or, or are there assignments to people say, look, go go cover this or 
or is there a plan for we need to get a, a picture of this or is it just, hey, this is neat, we just snap one and then they submit it to you or others on the team and say, let's put it on the channel? Right now, it's probably about 80%. If we're there in the moment, we'll take it 20%. Let's plan it. We're trying to move more. Um, I actually sent homework assignments out to the entire brand team and I said, listen, you guys all go out. Yeah. You all have drinks. You all go to different types of places. When you're out, if you see something cool or if you know the bartender lets you hold the bottle and it's got a cool bar top, take a picture of it. We can use that. That's yeah. really cool. So we're, we're pushing the brand teams and the greater Jim B marketing organization to feed us information. But we're also starting to plan ahead a little bit more saying, these are the kind of environmental shots that we want going into. Well, the holidays are coming up. So we know that it's going to snow in Kentucky soon. So I work with our distillery manager and say, when it snows, take a picture of the distillery with snow on it for the first time and send it to me. And she yeah. is fantastic at that. She is so cool. Like, into great it. to work with. She's into it because she's like, you got it. Like, she's like, yes, I'm in. Um, and so I'll, I'll, you know, just recently it's fall. The leaves are changing in Chicago. It's like beautiful time of year. So I went and took a nature walk with like six bottles in my bag. I'm clanking around the neighborhood. There's kids. It's a hell of a nature walk. Yeah, yeah. I'm just walking around. And if I found a really cool pile of leaves or something, it would just be a great photo opportunity. I'll go and snap my own photo. Um, and so there's a couple photos in my phone, which I'll actually have to post to Instagram over the next couple of days. Um, so we're moving away from what's already happening. I mean, that's, we have to plan for that, but we also have to start planning more and more about what we want to do from an environmental so we can go and physically take the shot ourselves. Yeah. For, for listeners uh, to the podcast who want more on that kind of concept, uh, go back into our archives and uh, look for the podcast we did with uh, Charlie from TaylorMade Adidas Golf, who goes around to all the PGA Tour golf tournaments and, and plans out Instagram shots uh, for their brand. It's a really interesting case study. It's from a few months ago. Look at it uh, in the Social Pros archives. Sounds like a great job. Yeah, he's got a sweet gig. <laughs> like, let's go to wow, golf tournaments yeah. and take pictures of pros using drivers on the driving range. Like, yeah, that'll work. That'll work. Other than the fact that he's gone all the time. Yeah, you that's know. true. It's interesting you talk about the, the photography uh, nature of things and, and video. I mean, when you got into this business, uh, did you think that you know, being good at photos and videos was going to be such an overwhelmingly important part of the job? Because it seems like it's evolved so quickly in the last couple of years. And what I tell people all the time is, you know, it's not optional. Like, you have to be good at that now. And, and a lot of people who are in this business came from a more of a writing background or, or a PR perspective. And, and, you know, there wasn't a intro to Photoshop course in that curriculum, right? And, and all of a sudden, it's like, you need to be good at that sort of visual communication in a way that perhaps was unexpected. So you must have looked at my bio because I came from a writing and PR background before I got in social media. And so I definitely have felt that, that pinch to learn. Um, luckily for me, as a part of when I was an undergrad, like learning how to do InDesign and Photoshop, there was a mandatory one course. Yeah. And I, even though that was feels like years, like decades, it is a decade ago, that course has still kind of stuck with me and it's definitely boiled up to the surface. But you're right. Everyone has to have those skills. You can't just take a photo for the sake of taking a photo. We don't live in Austin Powers world anymore. Um, you have to have an eye for what's going to be good because that's what people care about. Like everyone with a phone now is a photographer and is an artist in their own right. So you have to be able to, to talk, speak their language. And on top of that, you have to do it through the eyes of a brand and that, that brand's personality and that story that they're trying to tell. I still feel the writing background is super important. But if I was looking to get into social media now, I would definitely take more photojournalism classes. I would take probably a video editing class. I mean, 15-second video can still take you a day to do it if you're really cutting and you're trying to put yeah. the, like, the great touches on it. So I definitely think that those people who have that kind of more well-rounded skill set will be better positioned to succeed, especially at the content level. As you go up and you're trying to think about strategically, 
you can't just think about one photo. Now you have to start thinking about all of the photos. Yeah. And I think there's an interesting kind of double-sided uh, path being created there. One, these are the people that are really good at going and getting photos and thinking about all the other stuff. And then these are the group of people that are thinking about what do all of these photos ladder up to tell on this channel? And then what do all of these other channels come together? Um, but, you know, internally, we've actually sent some of our content specialists to take Photoshop classes. Um, I'm probably going to look at taking a photography class at a community college, both as a personal interest to become a, a better shooter, but also because I need, yes. I just want to have a better eye for color, lighting, all the little things like that that you can tweak on a phone. I mean, the cameras on your phone, they're not these like, you know, disposable cameras that used to buy 10 years ago that you spin, turn in and get your photos back. I mean, they're high tech machines and you can work with them. Uh, and so it's, it's critical to understand how they all work together. Yeah. I almost feel like if you're looking to add somebody to your team in, not, not on the community manager side, not so much on the sort of social as customer service piece of it, but, but on the, uh, on the proactive brand communication side, like what you do, or even on an agency, you know, a lot of times people will look at somebody's LinkedIn and they'll look at their Facebook or they'll look at their Twitter and how many Twitter followers do they have and how active they are there. But I really feel like Instagram is the best distillation of sort of getting it right now, um, at least at this snapshot in time. Because if you're good at Instagram, you understand what resonates in the moment, mm-hmm. right? And, and I think that's a, a skill that is very difficult to teach. Yeah, um, you, you sort of understand how to think visually and what is going to appeal to a larger audience. Uh, and and you just, I find people either going to get that or they don't get that, um, just in general. Yeah, definitely. It's a, I think it's an intuition gut thing. So. You know, there's the, the article was written about the person who does all of the photography for MTV on a smartphone at all of the live events. Yeah. That person gets it. He or she, I don't know who they are, knows where to go on stage, where to be, so they don't have to zoom and do all these other things on a phone. And they, they come up with some killer photos, but they get that. And that's, I think that's something you can teach, but there's a level where you have to just get it and understand it to yeah. really excel at that particular skill set. Speaking of community colleges, uh, I understand you went to Arizona State University, which is um, sort of in that in that in that background. Uh, my brother is a uh, a proud uh, ASU grad. I, of course, went to the University of Arizona, the the better school uh, in the state of Arizona. And it's weird. I think we we literally like somehow. I don't know if we were ever in Phoenix at the same time, but I was there for fifteen years. Uh, and I think I had left, or at least was in Flagstaff, um, but still working in Phoenix when when you were uh, there at university. It's weird that we didn't ever yeah, connect there. I, I mean, I get it. My brother went to the University of Arizona. I was asking why to choose to go to high school twice. <laughs> I'm like, you already got your first high school degree, you don't need a second one. But it's it's really weird how all these years fate has brought us back to Nashville. Uh, that's that's right. That's right. Well, the big game's coming up here in a, in a week or so. We'll see how that. Uh, actually, ASU is very good at football this year, uh, and we, as always, are looking for basketball season. Um, tell me about, uh, we were talking about big social promotions, uh, a bit ago. Tell me about your success with, uh, with Sue the Bears. That was a, a program that got a lot of traction and rightfully so hilarious, exceptionally well executed. You could give social pros listeners a little background on, on how that came together and, and what it was, uh, and sort of what the KPIs were for a program like that. Yeah. So for us, um, the, the, the big KPI was awareness of our Jim Beam honey product that was coming out. It's obviously a honey flavored bourbon. We just wanted people to be aware of it, but we wanted to do it in kind of a cheeky, tongue-in-cheek kind of way. So we were thinking about how can we do this, uh, come out, and how can we actually do some good? Like, it's still, it's not covered as much as it has been, but it's still an issue that bees are dying. Honeybee populations are, are just plummeting. Yeah, colony collapse. Colony right? collapse yeah. is, is ridiculous. So what could we do? It's a great band name, colony collapse. I kind of like that. Yeah. So what could we do to help bring awareness to that? Um, because we felt that it was important to do something. And, and also it was a, a good test for us from a cause marketing standpoint. You know, spirits 
Sometimes we do a lot of cause marketing, but never for something that's really outside the realm of, let's say, the armed forces or tro- meals for troops and stuff yeah. like that. So those were really our two big benchmarks, awareness and could we do cause marketing. So we went through and we ideated and we came up with the Sue the Bears campaign where we um, hired um, legendary Seinfeld attorney Jackie Childs to be our fictional attorney to Sue So Bears. what was he doing? I mean, when he's like, hey, do you want to do this whole commercial? I mean, what, is, what has he been up to, Jackie Childs? Um, or the actor who the plays actor Jackie Phil Childs? Morris, uh, yeah. he's been doing a lot of things. He yeah. was in the TV show Smallville for yeah. all those years. Yeah. I didn't, I had to Wikipedia his yeah. bio and he's been doing a lot of other things. Um, he has quite the eclectic background. Like he is like a master karate guy. Um, he collects, I think it's comic books. Um, Weirdly enough, his daughter was at the University of Oregon when I was there in grad school. So like the whole universe collegiate tie together was crazy. So we had a good talk over the Ducks and their football program. Um, But he's been kind of all over the place, just going to doing his own acting thing. Um, And so, you know, we reached out to him and, you know, we worked with Warner Brothers and we secured the rights to use his likeness. And we came up with this campaign where he's going to sue bears and we were going to try to do it to protect the honey stash. Um, the idea being that we were, we created this unique hashtag. It was hashtag sue the bears. And every time someone used that, we were donating a hundred dollars to, um, the pollinator partnership, which is a huge national group that is doing research on pollinators, which is really focusing primarily on bees, um, and what's happening with colony collapse. And so the videos, obviously you saw them, they were tongue in cheek. They were very, Fantastic. um, they were very quick. They got to the point. They really played up Jackie and his kind of mannerisms and idiosyncrasies. Uh, and they, they were great. I, the one challenge that we had from that was we weren't allowed to put any paid money behind that. So no paid social. So everything that we got. Why, why is that the case? Um, that was a, a requirement from the WB. They didn't want to have us do any paid promotion because then it looked to them like more of an advertisement and less of like a PR social play, um, okay. which is fine. You know, we understood. We worked within that and we said, OK, um, and obviously did very well in the PR and in the social world, Twitter specifically. It blew up and people were talking about it. and. You know, we were expecting, you know, we beat our hashtag mentions by like four times what we were expecting to get. Right. I mean, it was great. I mean, people love the videos um, and it was a huge success for us. Um, that was a really, that was a team win for, you know, the social team, the PR team. Uh, my colleague, Dan Cohen was like very, he much, very much led that project along um, in, in kind of keeping the brand team and the social team in, uh, in the kind of fold. So that was, a, that was to me a good 360, like this was a, a PR idea that had a heavy social integration into it, but it was directly tied to this PR initiative. And to me, those are the best ideas. It wasn't just singularly looking at one channel saying, this is what we can do. It's like, this is an idea. Can we get it to go out? Um, and it was, it was cool for us. It was, it was great to see people pick it up. Um, it was great to see kind of people talk about Jim Beam Honey in like a good way. Like the message about the Pollinator Partnership definitely came out. It was one That's of great. the three or four top terms that people referenced when they talked about the campaign. So that was great. It wasn't just funny video from Jim Beam. It was like, this is a really funny video and they're helping to save bees. Um, and so it proved out in both awareness and in the kind of ability to do cause marketing in the right way. Cause it was relevant. It would fit within the message. It wasn't square peg round hole forced into the, into the campaign. To watch the videos uh, that Jason is referencing, go to socialpros.com and grab the, uh, blog post transcription of this episode and you will see the videos right there for you to look at. Do you have any th- other things like that coming? I hope so. Uh, and that's the thing, uh, you know, with Jim Beam specifically, we have a couple new products that launched. So we're looking at 2014 to see when we could possibly do something like that. We obviously have a Jim Beam maple. Um, you know, the big joke is, is could we rehire Jackie to sue maple trees? Um, <laughs> if there are sue lumberjacks or something like that. 
I think that's more of like an internal toss around back and forth. Um, but we'd love to do more things like that. I would personally love to do a lot more things like that in 2014. I think that as a brand and an organization, they're seeing the power of digital. Um, one of our other brands, Sousa, has done two very strong digital campaigns the last two years. And now people are looking at this saying, wow, you can actually put some longevity and you can put some um, dollars behind it to really amp it up with their, um, this year it was the lifeguard. And the year before that, it was the fireman, how to make a margarita campaign. So I hope to see a lot more things like that from all of our brands, not even just Jim Beam in the future. You, at one point, worked in the arena football industry. I did. Um, which is awesome. I'm a big fan of the arena football uh, game. It's amazing to watch. Um, that's a very, you know, let's make something happen, get attention, you know, work flying under the radar a little bit um, type of a circumstance. How do you feel like that helped um, or did it help um, your, your position now in sort of the social content emerging uh, craziness that, that we live in? Yeah, I, I think when it comes to the Arena Football League, when you, if you were to look at the staff and what we had, um, you had the head coaches, you had the athletic trainer, you had the players, and then you had me. That was basically the day-to-day <laughs> staff. I mean, staff. obviously you have, yeah. the, you can't discount the people who work at the arena, you know, the, everyone who deals with the operations of the team. But in terms of if the team was on the road, that was it. It was me and then all of the football guys. So you basically had to learn how to do everything. I was the key point for all the travel contacts. I was the key point for buses back and forth between hotels. Um, sometimes I would even go early to make sure the hotel was ready. I had to make sure that there was food. I had to give you out per diem. I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on. And I think from that standpoint, especially when you talk about the other job of that was the PR job. You know, I was living in the city of Detroit, which is a very old fashioned traditional city. And the media there just was like, no way. You're yeah. not the lions. Yeah, we don't, we don't care. care. Or you're the Red Wings. We don't care. You're this new hybrid sport. We don't get it. Why would we cover you? And you really had to get scrappy and you had to think about other ways to talk about the same thing. So um, one of the challenges that we had is how could we get arena football off the sports page onto different pages in the newspaper? So Detroit has a huge automotive section. Our head coach happened to be a huge Jeep guy. So we had a huge front page story written about him as a Jeep guy and how he customized his Jeep. So I think from that standpoint, going into the social media world now, it makes you think about things differently. Like if this is, if your brand is this and it lives in this very tight sandbox, how can you grow your sandbox or how can you look outside your sandbox to say, we can tell our story in another place and it's just as relevant. And it actually might bring people into the fold because you're only focusing on this current, like very narrow view. And I think from social media, that's incredibly important. You look at how brands are able to evolve their personality, how they're able to tell their stories in multiple different ways across channels now, video, photo, you know, long form text, if it's a blog, kind of the hybrid of all things in Tumblr. Um, it's really important to th- think about that and be able to apply that knowledge and say, like, if this is my brand, how can I look at it in all these different ways to tell one really cool story about who we are, what we are, what we care about, what we value, etc.? That's exceptionally well said. It's a great, great background. Um, it's terrific. Let's do um, a couple of quick commercials, and then we'll be back uh, with the for your information uh, questions for Jason, and we'll wrap it up. I want to remind everybody that Social Pros is brought to you by the good people at Exact Target, a Salesforce.com company and a world leader in interactive marketing software, powering the email, web, mobile, and social programs of thousands and thousands of companies all over the world. As mentioned, Jeff is out at Dreamforce uh, this week. Their conference, 120,000 attendees strong, which is 
hard to fathom. Uh, lots of people out there. Uh, if you haven't grabbed it in the last week or so, make sure you pick up a copy of the new free ebook from Exact Target called The Power of Digital Marketing. You can learn how seven top brands implemented digital campaigns that drove results. Some really interesting uh, case studies and, and ideas for you there. Grab that today for free at ar.gy slash digital power. That's ar.gy slash digital power, all lowercase. The podcast is also brought to you by the good people at Jan Rain, providing social sharing, social login, and social profile data collection services uh, to Fox, Unilever, Universal Music, MTV, which we mentioned a moment ago, Dr. Pepper. Uh, you know, we all gather data on our websites at some level, whether it's an email sign up or something else. But there's no point to that if the data that you gather is, in fact, crap. JanRain can help you with that. Their social sign-in program is unbelievable. I use it uh, myself. I like those guys an awful lot. They have a very interesting ebook uh, about how to gather better data on your site that you can grab for free right now at ar.gy slash better registration. That's ar.gy slash better registration, all lowercase. All right, Jason, here we go. Four big questions for you. Are you ready? Uh, Yes. First question, how did you get involved uh, in social media? Uh, it was really interesting. So again, we talked about earlier, I came from a PR background and I was actually working in the restaurant industry. And you know, we saw kind of the need for it. Just as MySpace really toppled over and tanked and fell on its face, there were brand pages there. There was, I believe, a Starbucks page and I believe there was a Chili's page. And for us, both food people, um, we had pitched, like, we should have a branded MySpace page for P.F. Chang's. Um, and so we remember taking it to the CMO and he was like, I don't think so. He's like, I don't want people to be able to talk about our brand in a way that we yeah. can't control. And we're like, all right, I'm like, we really think there's something here to this. And then kind of the MySpace thing tanked and Facebook popped up and, you know, Twitter popped up and we decided to just create the pages and just start listening. No engagement, no outreach, just let's listen. Let's create the page and see if they find us and let's see what's going on. And that kind of went on for about six months. And then the day that was basically the linchpin in Jason, you're doing social media was <laughs> the day that Oprah announced she was signing up for Twitter. I remember it well. Within an hour of that, I got the email, Jason, what are we doing in social media from our same CMO? And I was like, oh, he's like, what are we doing? And I was like, well, you said no, but we went and did it anyways. And so we have two Twitter accounts for both our restaurant brands. We have two Facebook pages. They're both up and running. And we've been doing minimal content pushing. Well, at the time, it wasn't called content pushing. We we weren't posting anything. Uh, we were just listening and reactioning and doing really customer service. If we were seeing someone badmouth us, we would reach out. Uh, we took a lot of early pages from the Dell and the Comcast mm-hmm. book. Sure. were very two brands that were very early doctor, yeah. yeah, and customer service. And in the restaurant world, that very was it was a very translatable. Right. Yeah, yeah. it's translatable in what we could do. So that's how I got into it. So it started kind of going like that, and then it just snowballed where it became a bigger and bigger piece of what we were doing to the point where. I was kind of taken off the PR brand team and kind of they created this own position for me. It was like the digital person on the team um, that oversaw the website, our email program, our social media communications, because that was, it was, it was growing and they needed one person to dedicate time to making sure that those were efficient tools for the restaurant that we worked on. So blame Oprah. That's, that's, that's. No, that's, no, I don't blame Oprah. Yeah. I've never gotten anything from her. Like you get a car. I'm like, I, I guess. <laughs> She probably could come and say, you got a job because yeah, I did. So that's perfect. That's totally fine. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you like best about social media at this point? Um, it's probably cliche to say, but like not every day is the same. Um, there's always a new challenge. There's always a new idea. And at the rapid rate of new channels coming on board, new ideas, you know, the creative over, you know, the creative 
just process and how it works. It's a lot of fun. Um, and it's becoming a central business unit for brands to think about it. Like it's basically the lifeblood yeah. now. If like you're, if your brand is a body, it matters. It matters. It matters. The blood is what goes throughout everything. So you can have a TV campaign, you can have out of home, you can have anything. But at the end of the day, like people are going to talk about it in social. People are going to talk about your brand in social. And so it's important for you to be there and to have a very centralized role and making sure that that is very, very well incorporated through everything that you do. Just not just listening or campaigns, but it's got to be involved in everything. Conversely, what do you like least about social at this point? Uh, what do I like least? Probably that it changes every single day. Um, be, obviously, because you're always on your toes, sometimes there's no days off. So if you're doing a promotion, sometimes Saturday and Sunday, you're on call 24-7. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's part of the business out. And like People are, don't stop talking about your brands, especially in the spirits world right. on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. Sometimes you have to... Yeah, be, nights and weekends, kind of a high, t- high, high time. Really, I feel like I should have Mondays and Tuesdays off. I should be yeah. like a restaurant employee. And yeah. then Saturdays and Sundays are like my Thursday and Friday, and yeah. I have to be on call. Um, but that's the tough part is it changes all the time. Um, and, and a lot of, because of that, there's also the education process because social media is still very new. And I'll even say digital. I'll go beyond social media and say all emerging digital, yeah. whether it be SMS or even email to some extent. It's new, and there's a education process that has to go on both internally and externally. So externally, sometimes maybe to agencies that don't, that's not their specialty and making sure that they understand it. So they don't pitch something in our case that maybe is non-compliant or it's feasibly, you know, just not possible to do. Um, So the education piece um, is sometimes the thing that I like the least because I feel like I have to do all of this other groundwork laying before I can step forward and say, Hey guys, I have another sue the bears idea, or we have another opportunity to do X, Y, or Z. Last question with Jason Miller from Beam Global. If you could do a Skype call with any living person, who would it be and why? Skype call with any living person and why? Wow. I mean, this is like the question that you like should prepare for. Like you're because it's like one, <laughs> I like, it's just like 50,000 celebrities just went through my head. I'm going to give one that's going to like shock and awe people in your audience. Nice. I'm going to say Kesha. That is not what I was expecting. Exactly. Like, I, you know, I could have went like with world leaders and like astute brains and marketing super geniuses. I would go with Kesha. As a entertainer, she gets it. Like she understands how her channels work on Instagram. Yeah. She knows how to put on a show. I have an unhealthy obsession with like pop music sometimes because it's such a production. And I think that there's creative genius that goes behind it. And she's, I mean... She puts on quite the production. Some people might say she's borderline crazy and she does all these other things, but I would just be crazy like a fox. Yeah, I would just be interested to see what she was like in real life. Or is that her persona 24 7? All right, we're going to try and make that happen for Jason. That's going to be, uh, we'll, we'll get Kesh on the show and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll dial you in I'm as in. a special contributor. Yeah, I'll Fantastic. burn whatever TNE I have left to go. I'll, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'll be live in studio. <laughs> <Wait> <laughs> Uh, Jason, thanks very much. You were a fantastic guest. We really appreciate it. Uh, before we wrap it up, I want to also let everybody know that the podcast is brought to you by Cision, the leading provider of software services and tools to the PR industry. We mentioned before, Jason came out of the PR industry. Journalists, bloggers, and online influencers use Cision to research story ideas, track trends, and maintain their public profiles. I actually use Cision's new content marketing suite for amplification. So we use uh, Taboola and Outbrain and some of those kind of amplification engines through the uh, Cision platform. Super easy there. I like it a lot. It can do some cool headline testing and stuff. 
check that out. Um, go to Cision.com and see what they have to offer. And also, Zena's not here today, as I mentioned. She'll be back next time. Uh, but Social Pros is, of course, also brought to you by XBeyond, a centralized platform that empowers global brands and agencies and retailers to manage their social marketing efforts. Uh, amazing software. XBeyond is particularly good in complex situations. We've got a lot of franchisees, a lot of participants on your team. Really terrific stuff. If you haven't seen a demo of XBeyond recently, check it out. Their new version is extraordinary. I keynoted their conference not too long ago, and it's really awesome. Go to XBeyond.com, get a demo set up, uh, ask for Xena, and she might even do the demo for you herself. We are off next week for Thanksgiving at Social Pros. We will be back the week after uh, with Kevin Hunt from General Mills, who's going to talk to us all about uh, social media in the uh, General Mills uh, ecosystem. Should be a really interesting conversation, kind of like Jason's. they got a lot of brands and a lot of uh, integration there that they've got to deal with. So until then, thank you very much for listening. As always, I am Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. This has been Social Pros. Thanks for listening to Social Pros, the show for real people doing real work in social media. Please tell your friends about the show. Subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher and view all episodes at socialpros.com. Until next week, thanks to presenting sponsor Exact Target, as well as Cision, Janrain, and XPI. Now, get back to work. <laughs>